0: The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams The podcast versions of the original Facebook Live readings during the coronavirus outbreak by Matthew Ogden, The Bearded Wit. Please bear in mind that as Facebook Live recordings, these are rough and ready. There are mistakes, there are a few trip-ups here and there, and there is laughter from the reader as he goes through and follows the humour himself along with you, the listener. We hope you enjoy listening to these and share liberally. Part 31 Before we begin, I'd like to ask you to seriously consider becoming a patron of The Bearded Wit by going to patreon.com forward slash Wit. You can support me from as little as $5 a month, which is essentially a cup of coffee. Uh, and that will mean that I will be able to continue producing this material and other podcasts that I do. And it would mean the world to me to have you um, know that you're, you've got my back on this. Uh, I love producing this material for people. And it's been a huge pleasure for me to do this, uh, which basically started as a project for family and friends right back at the beginning of March last year uh, when the um, uh, COVID-19 virus was really beginning to kick in. It was a way of basically connecting friends and family all over the world who were finding it a bit difficult as we all did. And it's grown into something where I've got a lot of people listening all over the world. It would mean the world to me if you could take the time just to pop over to patreon.com forward slash thebeardedwit sign up from as little as $5 a month as I say uh, It's a cup of coffee. It would mean the world to me because the more of you guys, you fabulous people out there that do it, the more I'm able to do more of this stuff for you on an ongoing basis. No obligation. But if you can, I would be so deeply grateful also if you could take a moment to pop over to facebook and uh, give the bearded wit a like and follow uh, and also go over to my new youtube channel as well Um, just search for the bearded wit uh, and subscribe Uh, i'll be putting all of the live readings slightly edited um, and cleaned up a bit uh, onto that uh, over the coming weeks Um, but yeah join up uh, get involved like share follow subscribe do all the usual social media things Okay, on with the reading. Thanks very much, everyone. Quick recap. Uh, Last week, uh, we got to the point that Random has opened the package that Ford sent from the guide offices to Arthur for safekeeping. Random's got hold of it. She's opened. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. Apparently, it wasn't Mum's fault that this—that uh, she couldn't hear me. I'm, I'm sure. Sorry, Mum. Officially, in front of the entire interwebs, I apologise. Right, sorry. So, yes, Random has opened the package that Ford sent to Arthur for safekeeping on Lamuella, uh, which was the new version of the guide which Ford kind of figured out right from the get-go was not going to be good because we now know that the Vogons. in in the form of Infinidim Enterprises, have taken over the guide, which can't bode well. Uh, What we found out last week was that actually there is only one copy of the guide, but it is so phenomenally cleverly constructed in that it can live at every point of time and space simultaneously, that it can exist in a single copy form, and yet everybody can have a copy of it. Yeah, that made my head blow up the first time I read it, too. But that's the way it is. It's so clever, this stuff. It's a bit like having an Apple iPhone that actually does what you want. And that's when I get suddenly cut off because I'm on a Mac and everything else, every other piece of equipment I've got is Apple. And that's when suddenly uh, (laughs) Matthew was never seen again. No, I'm not that much of an influencer yet. Uh, <laughs> i'm not cynical mother right okay tea everybody this is my cup of tea oh i shouldn't that's got branding on it it's it's i don't necessarily approve of this organization but they do make enormous cups of tea well enormous cups which i can then put enormous amounts of tea into so i'll hide it behind the mic as i drink it i'll give you a, a, a tea a tea um a sound effect to matthew slurping tea oh bloody hell it's good I say it every time, but oh my god, I'm so English. Oh god, I love tea. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> Hello, Daniel. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know you're a you're an android, but per- oh my god, that tea's hot. i have just set fire to my own throat. <gasps> <clears> throat. Sorry about that. Yes, Daniel is a very good friend of mine from from the. Uh, the the comedy community in Denmark. He's a stand-up comic and a fantastic creator of comic excellence. Um, uh, That was not one of the funniest things he's ever said. Anyway, let's get on. Uh, Yes, so we have... uh, Random has got the copy of the guide and she's opened it and it has kind of seduced her into zapping off back in the uh, infinite line of of, of, um, earths that exist in the plural zone so the guide has disappeared with random arthur is a bit lost because he's buggered if he knows what's going on he's found a cave which has got the old guide in it his old guide in it that he didn't ever, ever want to see again and he's sat down on something that he thought was a rock but he's just discovered that it's a person which person we are about to find out. Sit down, drink your tea, your gins and tonics, your beers, whatever, and let's carry on. <laughs> Sorry. I, I've, got, I've got to stop looking at the comments as they come up, but uh, Daniel has put... There's something that is quite funny. That Android has an app that will call cool Tea Down. Yeah, I could do with that right now. All right, here we go. Uh, Arthur leapt to his feet with a start of fear. It would be hard to say which he was more frightened of, that he might have hurt the person that he had inadvertently inadvertently sat on, or that the person he had inadvertently sat on would hurt him back. There seemed, on inspection, to be little immediate cause for alarm on the second count. Whoever it was he had sat on, for the moment, was unconscious. That would probably go a great deal of the way towards explaining what he was doing lying there. He seemed to be breathing okay, though. Arthur felt his pulse. That was okay as well. He was lying on his side, half curled up. It was so long ago and far away when Arthur had last done first aid that he couldn't really remember what it was he was supposed to actually do. The first thing he was supposed to do, he remembered was to have a first-aid kit about his person. Damn! Should he roll him on his back or not? Suppose he had any broken bones. Suppose he swallowed his tongue. Suppose he sued him. Who, apart from anything else, was he? At that moment, the unconscious man groaned loudly and rolled himself over. Arthur wondered if he should, he looked at him. He looked at him again. He looked at him again, just to make absolutely sure. Despite the fact that he had been thinking he was feeling about as low as he possibly could, he experienced a terrible sinking feeling. The figure groaned again and slowly opened his eyes. It took him a while to focus, then he blinked and stiffened. You, said Ford Prefect. You, said Arthur Dent. Ford groaned again. What do you need to have explained this time, he said and closed his eyes in some kind of despair. Five minutes later, he was sitting up and rubbing the side of his head, where he had quite a large swelling. "'Who the hell was that woman?' he said. "'Why were we surrounded by squirrels? And what do they want?' "'I have been pestered by squirrels all night,' said Arthur. "'They keep on trying to give me magazines and stuff.' Ford frowned. ''Really?'' he said. ''And bits of rag?'' Ford thought. ''Oh!'' he said. ''Is this near where your ship crashed?'' ''Yes,'' said Arthur. He said it a little testily. ''That's probably it. Can happen. Ship's cabin robots get destroyed.'' "'The cyber-minds that control them survive and start infesting the local wildlife. "'Can turn a whole ecosystem into some kind of helpless thrashing service industry, "'handing out hot towels and drinks to passers-by. "'Should be a law against it.' "'Probably is. "'Probably also a law against there being a law against it "'so everybody can get nice and worked up. "'Hey-ho, what did you say?' "'I said, and the woman is my daughter.' Ford stopped rubbing his head. Oh, say say that one more time. I said, said Arthur, huffily, that woman is my daughter. I didn't know, said Ford, that you had a daughter. Well, there's probably a lot you don't know about me, said Arthur. Come to mention it, there's probably a lot I don't know about me either. Well, 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 when did this happen then? I'm not quite sure. Ah, that sounds like more familiar territory, said Ford. Is there a mother involved? Trillion. Trillion? I I didn't think that... Look, look, it's a bit embarrassing. I remember she told me once she had a kid, but only sort of in passing. I'm in touch with her from time to time. Never seen her with a kid. Arthur said nothing. Ford started to feel the side of his head again in some bemusement. Are you... Sure, this was your daughter, he said. Tell me what happened. Phew, long story. I was coming to pick up a parcel I'd sent to myself here care of you. Well, what was all that about? I think it may be something unimaginably dangerous. And you sent it to me, protested Arthur. Safest place I could think of. "'I thought I could rely on you to be absolutely boring and not open it. "'Anyway, coming in at night, I couldn't find this village place. "'I was going by pretty basic information. "'I couldn't find any signal of any kind. "'I I guess you don't have any signals and stuff here. "'That's what I like about it. "'Then I did pick up a faint signal from your old copy of the guide. "'So I homed in on that, thinking that would take me to you.' "'I'd found I'd landed in some kind of wood. "'Couldn't figure out what was going on. "'I get out and then see this woman standing there. "'I go up and say, hello, "'and suddenly I see that she's got this thing. "'What thing? "'The thing I sent you, the new guide, the bird thing. "'You were meant to keep it safe, you idiot, "'but this woman had the thing right there by her shoulder. "'I ran forward and she hit me with a rock.' I see, said Arthur. What did you do? Well, I fell over, of course. I was very badly hurt. She and the bird started to make off towards my ship, and when I say my ship, I mean an RW-6. A what? An RW-6, for Zark's sake! I've got this great relationship going on now between my credit card and the guide the guard central computer. You would not believe that ship, Arthur. It's a... Oh, so an RW-6 is a spaceship, then? Yes! It's... Oh, never mind. Look, just get some kind of a grip, would you, Arthur? At least some kind of catalogue. At this point, I was very worried, and I think semi-concussed. I was down on my knees and bleeding profusely, so I did the only thing I could think of, which was to beg. "'I said, please, for Zark's sake, don't take my ship "'and don't leave me stranded in the middle of some primitive zarking forest "'with no medical help and a head injury. "'I could be in serious trouble, and so could she.' "'What did she say?' "'She hit me on the head with the rock again. "'I think I can confirm that was my daughter.' "'Sweet kid. "'You have to get to know her,' said Arthur. "Ah, oh, she eases up, does she?' "'No,' said Arthur, "'but you get a better sense of when to duck.' Ford held his head and tried to see straight. The sky was beginning to lighten in the west, which was where the sun rose. Arthur didn't particularly want to see it. The last thing he wanted after a hellish night like this one was some blasted day coming along and barging about over the place. "'What are you doing?' ''In a place like this, Arthur?'' demanded Ford. ''Well,'' said Arthur, ''making sandwiches, mostly.'' ''What?'' ''I am,'' probably was, ''the sandwich-maker for a small tribe. It was a bit embarrassing, really. When I first arrived, that is, when they rescued me from the wreckage of this super-high-technology spacecraft which had crashed on their planet, they were very nice to me, and I thought I should help them out a bit.'' You know, I'm an educated chap from a high-technology culture. I could show them a thing or two. And of course, I couldn't. I haven't got the faintest idea when it comes down to it of how anything actually works. I don't, I don't mean like video recorders. I mean, nobody knows how to work those. I mean, just something like a pen. Or an artesian well, or something. Not the foggiest. I couldn't help at all. So one day I got glum and made myself a sandwich. That suddenly got them all excited. They'd never seen one before. It was just an idea that had never occurred to them. And I happened to quite like making sandwiches, so it all sort of developed from there. And you enjoyed that? Well, yeah, I I think I sort of did, really. Getting a good set of knives, you know, that sort of thing. You didn't, for instance, find it... Mind witheringly, explosively, astoundingly, blisteringly dull. Well, uh, no, not as such, not actually blistering, blisteringly. Odd, I would. Well, I suppose we have a different outlook. Yes, like the picker birds. Ford had no idea what he was talking about and could not be bothered to ask. Instead, he said, So, how the hell do we get out of this place? Well, I think the simplest way from here is just to follow the way down the valley into the plains, probably, and take an hour, and, and then we can walk from there. I don't think I could face going back up and over the way I came. Walk round where from there? "'Well, back to the village, I suppose.' Arthur sighed a little forlornly. "'I don't want to go to any blasted village,' snapped Ford. "'We've got to get out of here.' "'Where? How?' "'I don't know. You tell me. You live here. There must be some way off this zarking planet.' "'I don't know.' "'What do you usually do?' "'Sit around and wait for a passing spacecraft, I suppose.' "'Oh, yes?' And how many spacecraft have visited this zark-forsaken little flea pit recently? Well, a few years ago there was mine that crashed here by mistake. Then there was a trillion. Then the parcel delivery. Uh, and now you. And yet apart from the usual suspects. Well, uh, I think pretty much none as far as I know. Pretty quiet around here. As if deliberately to prove him wrong, there was a long, low, distant roll of thunder. Ford leapt to his feet fretfully and started pacing backwards and forwards in the feeble, painful light of the early dawn, which lay streaked against the sky as if someone had dragged a piece of liver across it. "'You, you don't understand how important this is,' he said. "'What? You mean my daughter out there all alone in the galaxy? "'You don't think I... you you think I don't? "'Can we feel sorry for the galaxy later?' said Ford. "'This is very, very serious indeed. "'The guide has been taken over. It's been bought out.' Arthur leapt up. "'Oh, very serious!' he shouted. "'Please fill me in straight away on some corporate publishing politics. "'I can't tell you how much it's been on my mind of late.' You don't understand. There's a whole new guide. Oh, shouted Arthur again. Oh, 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 I'm incoherent, incoherent with excitement. I can hardly wait for it to come out and find out which of the most exciting spaceports to get bored hanging about in, in some globular cluster I've never bloody heard of. Please, can we rush to a store that's got it right this very instant? Ford narrowed his eyes. This... This is that thing you call sarcasm, isn't it? Do you know, bellowed Arthur, I think it is. I really think it might be just a crazy little thing called sarcasm seeping in at the edges of my manner of speech. Ford, I have had a fucking bad night. Will you please try and take that into account whilst you consider what fascinating bits of badger sputumly inconsequential trivia to assail me with next? Try to rest," said Ford. "I need to think. Why do you need to think? Can't we just sit and go bum ba dum ba dum ba dum ba dum dum with our lips for a little bit? Couldn't we just dribble gently and loll a little bit to the left for a few minutes? I can't stand it, Ford. I can't stand all this thinking and trying to work things out any more. You may think I am just standing here barking." Hadn't occurred to me at all, in fact. But I mean it! What is the point? We assume that every time we do anything, we know what the consequences will be, i.e., more or less, what we intend them to be. This is not only not always correct, it is wildly, crazily, stupidly, cross-eyed, blitheringly, insectly wrong! Which is exactly my point. Thank you, said Arthur, sitting down. What? Temporal reverse engineering. Arthur put his head into his hands and shook it gently from side to side. "'Is there any humane way,' he moaned, "'in which I can prevent you from telling me "'what temporary reverse bloody watsitting is?' "'No,' said Ford, "'because your daughter is caught up in the middle of it, "'and it is deadly, deadly serious.' "'Thunder rolled ominously in the distance.' all right said arthur tell me i leapt out of a high-rise office window this immediately cheered arthur up oh he said why don't you go and do it again i did "Hm," said arthur disappointed obviously no good came of it the first time i managed to save myself by the most astonishingly and i say this in all modesty fabulous piece of ingenious ingenious quick thinking agility fancy footwork and self-sacrifice what was a self-sacrifice i jettisoned half uh, half a much-loved and i think irreplaceable pair of shoes why was that self-sacrifice because they were mine said ford crossly i think we have different value systems well mine's better that's according to you oh never mind so having saved yourself cleverly once you were very sensibly you very sensibly went and jumped again please don't tell me why just tell me what happened if you must "'I fell straight into the open cockpit "'of a passing jet town car "'whose pilot had just accidentally "'pushed the eject button "'when he meant only to change tracks on the stereo. "'Now, even I couldn't think "'that was particularly clever of me.' "'Oh, I don't know,' said Arthur, wearily. "'I expect you probably sneaked into his jet car "'the previous night "'and set the pilot's least favourite track "'to play or something.' "'No, I didn't,' said Ford. "'Just checking.' "'Though, oddly enough, Somebody else did. And this is the nub. You could trace the chain and branches of crucial events and coincidences back and back. It turned out the new guide had done it. That bird. What bird? Haven't you seen it? No. Oh, it's a lethal little thing. Looks pretty. Talks big. Collapses waveforms selectively at will. Oh, what does that mean? Temporal reverse engineering. Oh, said arthur oh yeah the question is who is it really doing it for i've actually got a sandwich in my pocket said arthur delving would you like a bit oh yeah okay it's a bit squished and sodden i'm afraid never mind they munched for a bit oh it's quite good in fact said Ford. what's the meat in it oh yeah perfectly normal beast not come across that one so the question is ford continued who is the bird really doing it for what's the real game here hmm ate arthur when i found the bird continued ford which i did by a series of coincidences that are interesting in themselves it put on the most fantastic multi-dimensional display of pyrotechnics i've ever seen it then said it would put its services at my disposal in my universe I said thanks, but no thanks. It said that it would anyway, whether I liked it or not. I said just try it, and it said it would, and indeed already had done. I say I said we'd see about that, and it said that we would. That's when I decided to pack the thing up and get out of there. So I sent it to you for safety. Oh yes, whose? Whose? Never you mind. Then, (laughs) what with one thing and another, I thought it prudent to jump out of the window again, being fresh out of other options at the time. Luckily for me, the jet car was there, otherwise I would have had to fall back on ingenious quick-thinking agility, maybe another shoe, or failing all else, the ground. But it meant that, whether I liked it or not, the guide was, well, working for me, and that was deeply worrying. Why? Because if you've got the guide, you think that you are the one it's working for. Everything went swimmingly smoothly from me then on uh, then on up, right up to the very moment that I come against the totty with the rock. Then, bang, I'm history. I'm out of the loop. Are you referring to my daughter as politely as I can? She's the next one in the chain who will think that everything is going fabulously for her. She can beat whoever she likes around the head with bits bits of the landscape. Everything will just swim for her until she's done whatever she's supposed to do, and then it will be all up for her too. It's reverse temporal engineering, and clearly nobody understood what was being unleashed. Like me, for instance, said Arthur. What? Oh, wake up, Arthur! Look, let me try it again. The new guide came out of the research labs it made use of this new technology of unfiltered perception do you know what that means look i have been making sandwiches for bob's sake who's bob never mind just carry on unfiltered perception means it perceives everything got that I don't perceive everything. You don't perceive everything. We have filters. The new guide does not have any sense filters at all. It perceives everything. It wasn't a complicated technological idea. It was just a question of leaving a bit out. Got it? Why don't you just say that I've got it, and then you can carry on regardless? Right. Now, because the bird can perceive every possible universe, it is present In every possible universe. Yes. Yes. Ish. So, what happens is, the bozos in the marketing and accounting departments say, ooh, that sounds good, doesn't that mean that we only have to make one of them, and then we can sell it an infinite number of times? Don't squint at me like that, Arthur. This is how accountants think. That's quite clever, isn't it? No, it's fantastically stupid. Look, the machine's only a little guide. It's got some quite clever cyber technology in it, but because it has unfiltered perception, any smallest move it makes has the power of a virus. It can propagate throughout space, time, and a million other dimensions. Anything can be focused anywhere in any of the universes that you and I move in. Its power is recursive. Think of a computer program, something, somewhere. There's one key instruction, and everything else is just functions, or brackets billowing out endlessly through an infinite address space. What happens when the brackets collapse? Where's the final, and if? Is is any of this making any sense, Arthur? Oh, uh, sorry, I was nodding off for a moment. Something about the universe, yes? ''Something about the universe, yes,'' said Ford, wearily. He sat down again. (coughs) ''All right, then,'' he said. ''Think about this. You know who I think I saw at the guide office?'' ''Vogons.'' ''Aha! I see I have said a word that you understand at last.'' Arthur leapt to his feet. ''That noise,'' he said. (coughs) ''What noise?'' ''The thunder!'' What's about it? What about it? It isn't thunder. It's the spring migration of the perfectly normal beasts. It's started. What are those animals you keep on going on about? I don't keep on about them. I just put bits of them in sandwiches. Why are they called perfectly normal beasts? Arthur told him. It wasn't often that Arthur had the pleasure of seeing Ford's eyes open wide with astonishment to take a slurp of tea because I've got a little frog in me throat <laughs> oh, oh god I love tea <laughs> Matthew the Englishman <clears throat> right let's crack on it was a sight that Arthur never quite got used to or tired of He and Ford had tracked their way swiftly along the side of the small river that flowed down along the bed of the valley. Bally? The bed of the valley. The bed of the valley. There we go. And when at last they had reached the margin of the plains, they pulled themselves up into the branches of a large tree to get a better view of one of the stranger and more wonderful visions that the galaxy has to offer. The great thunderous herd of thousands upon thousands of perfectly normal beasts was sweeping in magnificent array across the Anhondo plain. In the early pale light of the morning, as the great animals charged through the fine steam of their sweat, of their. I'll try that again. Right. In. THE EARLY PALE LIGHT OF THE MORNING, AS THE GREAT ANIMALS CHARGED THROUGH THE FINE... CHARGED THROUGH? And once more. In the early pale light of the morning, as the great animals charged through, the fine steam of the sweat of their bodies mingled with the muddy mist churned up by their pounding hooves. Their appearance seemed a little unreal and ghostly anyway, but what was heart-stopping about them was where they came from and where they went to which appeared to be, simply, nowhere. They formed a solid charging phalanx, roughly a hundred yards wide and half a mile long. The phalanx never moved, except that it exhibited a slight gradual drift sideways and backwards for the eight or nine days that it regularly appeared for. But though the phalanx stayed more or less constant, the great beasts of which it was composed charged steadily at upwards of twenty miles an hour, appearing suddenly from thin air at one end of the plain, and then disappearing equally abruptly at the other end. No one knew where they came from, and no one knew where they went. They were so important to the lives of the Lamuelans, it was as if nobody liked to ask. Old Thrashbarg had said on one occasion that sometimes if you received an answer, the question might be taken away. Some of the villagers had privately said that this was the only properly wise thing they'd ever heard Thrashbarg ever say, and, after a short debate on the matter, had put it down to chance. The noise of the pounding of the hooves was so intense that it was hard to hear anything else above it. "'What did you say?' shouted Arthur. I said, shouted Ford, this looks like it might be some kind of evidence of a dimensional drift. "Uh, Which is what? shouted Arthur back. Well, a lot of people are beginning to worry that space-time is showing signs of cracking up with everything that's happening to it. There are quite a lot of worlds where you can see how the landmasses have cracked up and moved around just from the weirdly long or moranding routes that migrating animals take. This might be something like that we live in twisted times. Still, in the absence of a decent spaceport, Arthur looked at him in a frozen kind of way. What do you mean? he said. What do you mean, what do I mean? shouted Ford. You know perfectly well what I mean. We're going to ride our way out of here. Are you, are you seriously suggesting we try to ride a perfectly normal beast? Yeah, see where it goes to. We'll be killed. No, said Arthur. Suddenly, we won't be killed. At least I won't, Ford. Have you ever heard of a planet called Stavromula Beta? Ford frowned. Don't think so, he said, pulled out his own battered copy of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and asht- uh, accessed it. Any funny spelling, he said. Don't know. I- I've only ever heard it, and that was by someone who had a mouthful of other people's teeth. You remember I told you about AgriJag? Ford thought for a moment. Oh, you mean the guy who was convinced you were getting him killed over and over and over again? Yes. One of the places he claimed I'd got him killed was Stavromula Beta. Someone tries to shoot me, it seems. I duck an or at least one of his many reincarnations, gets hit. It seems that this has definitely happened at some point in time, I suppose. I can't get killed until at least after I've ducked on Stavromula Beta. Only, no one's heard of it. Hmm. Ford tried a few other searches of the hitchhiker's guide, but it drew a blank. "'Nothing,' he said. "'It was just... no, no, I've never heard of it,' said Ford finally. "'He wondered why it was ringing a very, very, very faint bell, though. "'Okay,' said Arthur. <clears throat> "'I've seen the way the and hunters trap perfectly normal beasts.' If you spear one in the herd, it just gets trampled, so they have to lure them out one at a time for a kill. It's very like the way the matador works, you know, with a brightly coloured cape. You get one to charge at you and then step aside and execute a rather elegant swing through with the cape. Have you got anything like a brightly coloured cape about you? This do, said Ford, handing him his towel leaping onto the back of a one and a half ton perfectly normal beast migrating through your world at a thundering 20 or 30 miles an hour is not as easy as it might seem at first certainly it is not as easy as the lamuel hunters made it seem and arthur dent was prepared to discover that this might turn out to be the difficult bit what he hadn't been prepared to discover however was how difficult it was even getting to the difficult bit it was the bit that was supposed to be the easy bit, which turned out to be practically impossible. They couldn't even catch the attention of a single animal. Perfectly normal beasts were so intent on working up a good thunder with their hooves, heads down, shoulders forward, back legs pounding the ground into porridge, that it would have taken something not merely startling, but actually geological to disturb them the sheer amount of thundering and pounding was in the end more than arthur and ford could deal with after they had spent nearly two hours prancing about doing increasingly foolish things with a medium-sized floral patterned bath towel they had not managed to get even one of the great beasts thundering and pounding past them to do so much as glance casually in their direction they were within three feet of the horizontal avalanche of sweating bodies. To have been much nearer would have been to risk instant death, chronologic or no chronologic. Arthur had seen what remained of any perfectly normal beast, which, as, a result of a miss, as the result of a clumsy misthrow by a young and inexperienced Lamuelan hunter, got speared while still thundering and pounding with the herd. One stumble was all it took. No prior appointment with death on Stavromula Beta, wherever the hell Stavromula Beta was, would save you or anybody else from the thunderous, mangling, pounding of those hooves. At last, Arthur and Ford staggered back. They sat down, exhausted and defeated, and started to criticise each other's technique with the towel. You've got to to flick it more complained ford you need more follow through from the elbow if you're going to get those blasted creatures to notice anything at all follow through protested arthur you need more suppleness in the wrist you need more after flourish countered ford you need a bigger bloody towel you need another voice you ah oh, sorry <laughs> you need said another voice a picker bird you what the voice had come from behind them. They turned, and there, standing behind them in the early morning, was old Thrashbarg. To attract the attention of a perfectly normal beast, he said he walked as he walked towards them, you need a picker bird, like this. From under the rough, cassocky robe-like thing he wore, he drew a small picker bird. It sat restlessly on old Thrashbarg's hand and peered intently at Bob-knows-what darting around about three feet six inches in front of it. Ford instantly went into the sort of alert crouch he liked to do when he wasn't sure what was going on or what he ought to do about it. He waved his arms around very slowly in what he hoped was an ominous manner. "'Who is this?' he hissed. "'Oh, it's, it's just old Thrashbarg.' said Arthur quietly, and I wouldn't bother with all the fancy movements. He's just as uh, just as, as experienced a bluffer as you are. You would end up dancing around each other all bloody day. The bird, hissed Ford again. What's the bird? It's just a bird, said Arthur, a bit impatiently. It's like any other bird. It lays eggs and it goes, Argh! at things you can't see, or ka, or rit, or something. Have you seen one lay eggs? said Ford suspiciously. Oh, for heaven's sake, of course I have, said Arthur, and I've eaten hundreds of them. Make rather a good omelette. The secret is little cubes of cold butter and then whipping it lightly with... I don't want the zarking recipe, said Ford. I just want to be sure it's a real bird and not some kind of multi-dimensional cyber nightmare. He slowly stood up from his crouched position and started to brush himself down. He was still watching the bird, though. "'So,' said old Thrashbug to Arthur, "'is it written that Bob shall once more take back unto himself "'the benediction of his once-given sandwich-maker?' "'Ford almost went back into his crouch. "'It's all right,' muttered Arthur. "'He always talks like that. "'Aloud,' he said, "'Ah, venerable Thrashbug, "'um, yes, uh, I'm afraid I think I'm going to have to be uh, popping off now.' Uh, "'But young Drimple, my apprentice, will be a fine sandwich-maker in my stead. "'He has the aptitude, a deep love of sandwiches, "'and the skills he has acquired so far, though rudimentary as yet, "'will in time mature, and, uh, well, I think he'll work out okay. "'is what I'm trying to say.' "'Old Thrashbarg regarded him gravely. "'His old grey eyes moved sadly.' He held his arms aloft, one still carrying the bobbing picker-bird, the other his staff. "'Oh, sandwich-maker from Barb!' he pronounced. He paused, furrowed his brow, and sighed as he closed his eyes in pious contemplation. Contemplation, even. "'Life,' he said, will be a very great deal less weird without you. Arthur was stunned. Do you know, he said, I think that's the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me. Can we get on, please, said Ford. Something was already happening. The presence of the picker bird at the end of Thrashbarg's outstretched arm was sending tremors of interest through the thundering herd. The odd head flicked momentarily in their direction. Arthur began to remember some of the perfectly normal beast hunts he'd witnessed. He recalled that as well as the hunter matadors brandishing their capes, there were always others standing behind them holding picker birds. he had always assumed that, like him, they'd just come along to watch. Old Thrashbarg moved forward, a little closer to the rolling herd. Some of the beasts were now tossing their heads back with interest at the sight of the picker bird. Old Thrashbarg's outstretched arms were trembling. Only the picker bird itself seemed to show no interest in what was going on. A few anonymous molecules of air, nowhere in particular, engaged all of its perky attention. "'Now!' exclaimed old Thrashbarg at last. "'Now you may work them with a towel!' Arthur advanced with Ford's towel, moving the way the hunter-matadors did, with a kind of elegant strut that did not come at all naturally to him. But now he knew what to do, and that it was right. He brandished and flicked the towel a few times, to be ready for the movement, and then he watched. Some distance away he spotted the beast he wanted head down, it was galloping towards him right on the very edge of the herd. Old Thrashbarg twitched the bird. The beast looked up, tossed its head, and then, just as its head was coming down again, Arthur flourished the towel in the beast's line of sight. It tossed its head again in bemusement, and its eyes followed the movement of the towel. He had got the beast's attention. From that moment on, it seemed the most natural thing to coax and draw the animal toward him. Its head was up, cocked slightly to one side. It was slowing to a canter and then a trot. A few seconds later, the huge thing was standing there amongst them, snorting, panting, sweating and sniffing excitedly at the picker bird, which appeared not to have noticed its arrival at all. With strange sort of sweeping movements of his arms, old thrashbar kept the picker bird in front of the beast, but always just out of its reach, and always downwards. With strange sort of sweeping movements of the towel, Arthur kept drawing the beast's attention this way and that. Always downwards. I don't think I've seen anything quite so stupid in my life muttered Ford to himself. At last the beast dropped, bemused, but docile, to its knees. "'Go!' whispered old Thrashburg urgently to Ford. "'Go! Go now!' Ford leapt up onto the great creature's back, scrabbling amongst its thick, knotty fur for purchase, grasping great handfuls of the stuff to hold him steady once he was in position. "'Now, sandwich-maker, go!' He performed some elaborate sign and ritual handshake which Arthur couldn't quite get the hang of because Old Thrashbarg had obviously made it up on the spur of the moment and then he pushed Arthur forward. Taking a deep breath, he clambered up behind Ford onto the great hot heaving back of the beast and held on tight. Huge muscles the size of sea lions rippled and flexed beneath him. Old Thrashbarg held the bird suddenly aloft. The beast's head swivelled up to follow it. Thrashbarg pushed upwards and upwards, repeatedly, with his arms and with the picker-bird, and slowly, heavily, the perfectly normal beast lurched up off its knees and stood, at last, swaying slightly. Its two riders held on fiercely and nervously. Arthur gazed out over the sea of hurtling animals, straining an attempt to see what it was or where they were going, but there was nothing but heat haze. Can you see anything? he said to Ford. No. Ford twisted round to glance back, trying to see if there was any clue as to where they'd come from. Still nothing. Arthur shouted down at Thrashbarg. "'Do you know where they come from?' he called. "'Or or where they're going?' "'The domain of the king!' shouted old Thrashbarg back. "'King?' shouted Arthur in surprise. "'What? What king?' (coughs) "'The perfectly normal beast was swaying and rocking restlessly under him.' "'What do you mean, what king?' shouted old Thrashbarg. "'The king!' It's just that you never mentioned a king, shouted Arthur back in some consternation. What? shouted old Frashbag. The thrumming of a thousand hooves was very hard to hear over, and the old man was concentrating on what he was doing. Still holding the bird aloft, he held the beast slowly he led the beast slowly round till it was once more parallel with the motion of its great herd. He moved forward. The beast followed. He moved forward again. The beast followed again. At last, the beast was lumbering forward with a little momentum. "'I said you never mentioned a king!' shouted Arthur again. "'I didn't say a king!' shouted Old Thrashbug. "'I said THE king!' He threw back his arm and then hurled it forward with all his strength, casting the picker bird up into the air above the herd. This seemed to catch the picker bird completely by surprise, as it had obviously not been paying any attention at all to what was going on. It took a moment or two to work out what was happening, then unfurled its little wings, spread them out and flew. Go! shouted Thrashbar. Go and meet your destiny, sandwich maker! Arthur wasn't so sure about wanting to meet his destiny as such. He just wanted to go wherever it was they were going so he could get back off this creature again. He didn't feel at all safe up there. The beast was gathering speed as it followed in the wake of the picker bird, and then it was at the fringes of the great tide of animals, and, in a moment or two, with its head down, the picker bird long forgotten, it was running with the herd again and rapidly approaching the point at which the herd was vanishing into thin air. Arthur and Ford held on to the great monster for dear life. "'surrounded on all sides by hurtling mountains of bodies. "'Go! Ride that beast!' shouted Thrashbarg. "'His distant voice reverberated faintly in their ears. "'Ride that perfectly normal beast! Ride it! Ride it!' "'Ford shouted in Arthur's ear. "'Where did he say we were going?' "'He said something about a king!' shouted Arthur in return holding on desperately what king that's what I said he just said THE king I didn't know there was a THE king shouted Ford nor did I shouted Arthur back well I accept, of course for THE king shouted Ford and I don't suppose he meant him what king shouted Arthur the point of exit was almost upon them Just ahead of them, perfectly normal beasts were galloping into nothingness and vanishing. "'What do you mean, what king?' shouted Ford. "'I don't know what king. "'I'm only saying that he couldn't possibly mean the king, "'so I don't know what he means.' "'Ford, I don't know what you're talking about.' "'So?' said Ford. Then, with a sudden rush, the stars came on Turned and twisted around their heads, and then, just as suddenly, turned off again. And that, ladies and gentlemen, at 10 to 10, is where we'll leave it for this evening. Nice cliffhanger. I'm getting good at these. More, <laughs> more. I hope you have enjoyed this evening. Uh, I will be back, same time, same place, same channel, uh, next week, uh, 9 o'clock CET. Thank you as ever for your company. Uh, and as I say, if you haven't already signed up, please make sure you go to patreon.com forward slash Wit and become a patron. Uh, I would really appreciate that very, very, very much. Um, in the meantime, have a super week. Look after yourselves. I promise to have the new versions of the late last. It's now going to be four. Four of these uh, up on the podcast versions as soon as possible. Look after yourselves. Be good to yourselves. Don't do anything silly. Um, always remember where your towel is. Drink plenty of tea. Lots of love. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you everyone very much. Bye bye.